0: Hello and welcome to the 4 Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, And in this episode, the very first of 2021, I'm joined by Steve DiMeglio. Steve is a senior writer with GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports. And we are going to preview the PGA Tour for 2021. Yes, the 2020-21 season has already started. It's a wraparound season. I'm perfectly well aware of that. But you know what? As I explain on this podcast seeing the guys play at Kapalua, seeing the guys playing in Hawaii, the surfers, the humpback whales breaching and all that kind of stuff, that to me is the start of the season. So, Steve and I get into it, we talk about how COVID unfortunately is going to probably be the storyline, the through line as we say, through much of the season, but beyond that, we talk at length about Dustin Johnson, we talk a lot about Brooks Kepco, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, we get into a little bit of chatter about Jordan Spieth as well as Ricky Fowler and of course we talk about Tiger Woods who just turned 45 years old and we take a look and preview the map, the locations for not only the Masters, but the PGA, the British Open, and the US Open. Heading back to Tory Pines South Course, one of my favorites. So sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring for the wins, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's, it's a downgrade. He never really had game to game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter. Diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: So now making his first appearance for 2021, I'm gonna to have to start getting used to saying 2021. 2020 rolled right off of the lips, but 2021, I stumble on this one. Steve DeMegli, a senior writer with Golf Week, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today, where he's been basically the USA Today PGA Tour beat writer for, it feels like, about 120 years. But, Steve, it's only been, what, about 10 or 12 has it been? now? How long have you been writing for USA Today at this point?
1: First year was 2007. First tournament was Tiger winning the uh, Farmer's Insurance Open. So this will be my 15th year. On the PGA Tour B,
0: and it only feels like 125 at this point. Or if you, uh, is as if do you still get charged up for the beginning of a new year? the guys are in Hawaii this week? Do you do you get excited at the beginning of the season? I realize it's a wraparound season, but I'm still not buying in on that. I I, I feel always like this is the beginning when we're here in January and the guys are playing Kapalua. I
1: I get excited a lot. The energy is still there. I get excited when they go to Kapalua. I get excited when we start. I don't care if, when we start talking about the Masters, the run up to the Masters. I don't care if that starts at Riv. I don't care if it starts at Pebble. I don't care if it starts in Florida. I get excited for that. Then you start thinking, okay, the next major is, the PGA Championship. I get excited for that. I get excited for the players. I get excited if I'm going to be able to go over the pond, over the pond, you know, mm-hmm. to the Open Championship. So. No, this, this sport, this job still charges me up a lot of times. But uh, when, you, when you see the views, when you see Maui, and you see that golf course, and you know it's the first tournament of the year, that, yes, that, that gets the juices flowing. And it certainly will. It already has. We've seen some clips already this week yeah. from Maui. It's, uh, it's already gotten me charged, and I can't wait for Thursday.
0: We always get the shots. You know, from Golf Channel, you know NBC, whoever's doing it. That you know, here's the humpback whales breaching out in the bay. We get the surfer guys. We we get the people. You hear the ukuleles, a little Don Ho whamming in the background. Somebody, of course, up on social media is showing some sushi or whatever. And I'm sitting here freezing in the northeast in my basement, wait, you know, waiting up until like 9:30 or 10 o'clock at night when the final putts are dropping on Sunday. But it's fun. I I I do this one charges me up, and then. I always get charged when we get to Tory, um, because that one to me has historically been the first Tiger Woods event, which is exciting. Phil usually plays that one. It's been up and down the last couple of years. That's usually is the one, first time that some of the major European players might come over. Now, this year, who knows with scheduling what people are gonna do. And then Pebble Beach, you know, and I know it's it's corny and all this and that. When I hear Nance and the CBS team and I see the 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 blimp view of Looking down on um, six, seven, eight, nine, and Stillwater Cove, that one gets me every time. I'm not gonna. I, I will die on that mountain. That to me is is one of the greatest like little intros that that we get in in golf TV broadcasting and such. Um, 2020 was a year for you much more than for me. I got it a little bit, but for you to work in a very very different way. Obviously, COVID hits our jobs. The whole world changes. You know, really fast. Have you gotten used to working both a combination of covering tournaments remotely, as we all have, and covering tournaments when you're there, but you don't talk to players, you don't go on the range, you don't get to go into the locker rooms? The way that you do your job has changed tremendously. We've talked about that. Are you getting used to it? Does it feel like there's a flow when you go on site now?
1: You get a little bit more used to it with each passing tournament, but it's still mindful every week that that saying you don't know how much you're going to miss something until you miss it yeah um how much i enjoyed doing my job inside the ropes walking inside the ropes can't do that anymore um going on the range can't do that anymore going in the locker room can't do that anymore so that severely cuts down our access and with PGA Tour rules, where basically you have to go through a PGA Tour official to be able to interview somebody that's not on the interview schedule, that severely limits our access, and we still have to do our job. Mm-hmm. So I hope I don't ever have to get completely used to that. Hopefully, the vaccines, even though the, the rollout has been very slow, hopefully that'll get ramped up soon. Um, and we can return to some sense of normalcy or be allowed to do more one-on-ones or be allowed to approach a player and say, look it, you know, I got my mask on, you know, I'm <laughs> going to stand six feet away from you. Yeah. You know, you're not going to handle my tape recorder or my phone Right. and I get five minutes from you. Um, and still, and the thing is, it's always in the back of your mind that, you know, COVID is still out there. Yeah. COVID-19 is still out there. Um, as I've written and as I've said to some places, uh, to some radio stations and in interviews, the safest I've felt, among the safest places i felt when I started going back traveling, and for those of you listening, I traveled, I drove to Hilton Head, I flew to Columbus, Ohio, I flew to San Francisco, I flew to Las Vegas, I flew to L.A., I drove to Atlanta. I flew to Chicago. So I did a lot of traveling. Yeah. Pretty good portion of traveling. Yep. The safest, some of the safest places I felt were on the airplane, Mm -hmm. in the airports, in the rental cars, because I've never, they've never been cleaner. Mm -hmm. um, And there weren't as many people. And so you get used to that, but it still reminds you that COVID-19 is out there. Yeah. Um, and I'm 59 and a half, and so that's not a great age for me you know, f- to <laughs> get COVID-19. But hopefully I get the vaccine before I get it. Yeah. But you just adapt. It's, you know, I was on, you know, I was walking on eggshells that very first tournament I covered for USA Today. I had covered golf tournaments out in Palm Springs, um, at least 30 of them. But still, now you're going out there. You haven't covered golf in six years because that was with Major League Baseball, covering Major League Baseball. You're walking on eggshells because you don't want to do something wrong. Yeah. Here, you're walking on eggshells because you don't want to touch something wrong. Yep. Or you don't want to bump into somebody. Or, oh, I left the the interview room without my mask on or, you know, certain things. That's always there. And do you get used to it? Yes, you get used to it a little bit more and more, more and more, but it's still there. So um, it'll be interesting going forward. Um, how far are we going to have to go with the same restrictions? Hopefully not too far.
0: I uh, I had an opportunity to go to two events. You obviously went to a lot more. What I found interesting is, though, is the third event I went to, which is the U.S. Open, is not run by the PGA Tour. Another PGA Tour officials there, and there's a lot of cooperation that goes on between the governing bodies of the game and, and the different entities around everybody for the most part i think especially in 2020 played real nice in the sandbox with everybody else um but the rules were a little bit different in 2020 when we were at winged foot in that we all got tested before we were allowed on property um and we could do just a couple things i couldn't go into the clubhouse but i could go on to for example um the putting green like the practice green be around there and be relatively close there was a rope that was separating us from the players at the U.S. Open uh, on the driving range. But the players were mingling around us in a way that almost felt like normal. And then we, everybody got tested. I got tested on the Saturday, I think it was. It might have been Sunday morning before we all left and before Bryson wins. And it's the same thing. It reminded me of what – I don't even know that we took it for granted. It was hard to even imagine that you would work at a golf tournament like us and not have these accesses. There's associations that you and I belong to that are of and the Golf Writers Association of America. We we work to try and maintain what access and what things that we have to try and maintain it. That. that stuff has been slowly getting chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. Just like everybody else, I listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago with Jackie McMullen talking about how they used to get be able to fly with the teams. You know, before charters happened, that that teams and writers would travel together, stay in the same hotels together. I the, the whole idea of that as a sports writer to me is like, oh my gosh, that's number one, the most amazing access, which in today's world I can't even imagine. Um, but just what we have to try and hold on to that. And what do you think is going to happen? Is hopefully the vaccines get rolled out. How far into twenty one would you estimate? And there's no way to know this. I'm putting you on the spot. Do you think that a lot of these things stick around on the PGA Tour in terms of access to players, access to different places? Or do you think once we reach some point, wherever that happens to be, that things will go back? And you all of a sudden, you say, "Okay, Steve, you're a national badge holder for the PGA Tour, um, You know, national media. You now can go back into the locker room. You can now go back into these places. Do do you see that happening in 21 even?
1: No, I, I don't. I don't think we'll see a return to complete normalcy. What we had on, on, uh, let's say at the Mexico championship last year or, uh, at Pebble last year, when he could walk inside the ropes, walk up to a player, interview a player, walk and talk is what we call it. What I call it, a walk and talk during practice rounds, um, go up to him on the range. We could be on the range at Pebble. I don't see us returning to that this year. Um, and I, even if they do allow 8,000 fans at Waste Management, 10,000 fans at the Players' Championship, 5,000, 10,000 fans at the Masters, I don't think we'll be allowed in there. Players never wanted us, let's be honest, players never wanted us on the range. <laughs> so now they have yeah. an excuse yeah. to maintain us to stay off the range. And I'll I live with anything I have to do. I'll adapt to whatever I have to adapt to, but we have to increase the access. So... I would go towards PGA Tour officials, if you're increasing the number of spectators that can come out to tournaments, I think you can increase our opportunities to get access. Now, it, it got better, mm-hmm. um, and the PGA Tour officials were all stellar, and when I would go up to him and say, hey, I really need to talk to that guy after yeah. the Scrum, or after done signing his card. Um but what are you going to do when the PGA tour official can't be there or only one can be that and they're running the interview and you're missing that guy. So, but again, you just adapt.
0: How much does that affect your writing and your reporting as you go through the year? And as you're sort of working into those different types of conditions And you have, how much do you catch yourself being like, damn it? Like this isn't what I would really want to be doing. Or I know that if this were last year, this story or the way that I report this through, the way that my readers are going to get this could probably be different.
1: Well, it's let's say uh, I, if I were in Hawaii this week um, at Maui at the century tournament champions, and I wanted to do a story on Patrick Reed, but he's not on the interview list. I would have to go to John Bush, who's the PGA tour official there this week and ask, can you set me up with him to do that? Um, what it's gonna hurt me is i I do a master survey every year, and I've reached at least twenty five players every year for the last eight to ten years mm-hmm. now I picked off like ten of them down at the QBE shootout, but I've got to get some more yeah, and those were easy for me to get to guy walking in the parking lot boom, there's one yeah. guy walking after his round boom, there's another one guy after practice putting yeah. I've, I've interviewed guys while they were practice putting. I've interviewed guys while they're hitting golf balls. Um, that I can't do anymore. So that will hurt my job there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not too much. Um, we can't get near the players anymore uh, inside the ropes, um, and that at times has led to a few things. Um, oh
0: yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember I was, you- I was I was I was standing in. Oh gosh, where were we? I, I was at TPC Boston. And I was behind the clubhouse. Tiger had just finished and I was sort of milling around just standing. And Joe LaCava walked up next to me. It wasn't one of the situations where I sought him out. And he lives um, a couple towns away from me in Connecticut. And we had happened to have some really crazy, like, almost like little microburst hurricane things or, you know, tornado things. They had sort of blown through trees. Or I asked him how long his power was out. We're just making the kind of conversation that you and I would do with everybody. You know, that's sort of just the way that a lot of this stuff works. My notebook wasn't out. I, I wasn't like looking to do anything. It's just you, you see people, you acknowledge everybody, we just, you just chat. And I remember after he left, we, we we talked for like two or three minutes. That was probably the only spontaneous conversation with any player, caddy, whatever, that I had all season. And I remember I, I put something up on Twitter afterwards. And I don't even remember what it was. And I said, Joe LaCava just told me whatever the stupid thing that I just put up there. And you, you tweet, you shot a text. Message, How'd you get to Joey? And I was like, I, I just stand here because it was such an, a rare thing. I mean, the, the rules were set out for us. I, I, when I was at uh, TPC River Highlands, I was walking out of the tent where Rory McIlroy had just put his mask back on and a PGA Tour official was asking him to do what was essentially a PSA. They filmed on a, on a camera phone a, um, a thank you to a nurse at Hartford Hospital. And it was like, Rory, can you just say, here's the woman's name, can you say thank you? And and he, of course, did 35, 45 seconds of stand-up that was as if he was reading a script. He was great. He mentioned her name specifically like four or five times. I later saw the clip with her reaction to it, and she was blown away by it. Out of just reaction, after watching this, I said, hey, Rory, nice job. Turned and walked away. Five minutes later, it was like, hey, you can't do that. You can't talk to a player you that's that's right now communications 101 there shall not be any dialogue between players and media that's not with almost like wow this is now that was june and it was a crazy time but it sounds like from what you're saying things are a little better but not a lot right i mean like when we say this and people are hearing this it's like we can't talk to them
1: the qbe shootout was before the surge started um, I don't know what if they hold if they hold the Genesis Invitational at Riviera, I have no idea what that's going to be like. That's nope. north of Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of scenarios. They might not invite the media except for the essential media, the absolute ones that need to, to broadcast it. I, I, There's just still so many different scenarios out there. They could not play Riviera. They could not play Pebble. Like, you know, Half of Pebble is shut down right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, and, you know, you read these stories that L.A. County has run out of ICU beds. I mean, they're completely full. Ambulances can't drop off patients. So I don't know what the next month is going to hold, next two months. But um,
0: I'm more enthusiastic about late spring summer than I was, say, two months ago. How are you feeling about, I mean... The the state of the United States and the whole thing in general, obviously for sport, I I have this feeling like summer, it's going to be crappy to get to it, but once we start to reach a certain threshold that travel will get a little bit better, that access and whatever you know quote unquote normal is going to feel like, we're we're a long way from that. I think that we're going to be wearing masks for a long time, whether you've been uh, vaccinated or not, that's just going to be part of the deal in 21. It's not like all of a sudden we flip the calendar and like, that's that's gonna switch. But I do feel more optimistic than I did a couple months ago. Do you feel that? Or is that something that maybe is just me being naive?
1: Well, it's it's half and half. Um we didn't go through a winter
0: right of COVID nineteen.
1: Yeah. Now we're going through the first winter of COVID nineteen. But you see three different companies now have had vaccines are on the market. I think two are here in the United States. Mm-hmm. There's a third one that's been added. John, the, the Johnson UK. Johnson one
0: is, is coming, it sounds like, yeah. It
1: could be up to 10 to 12 vaccines within two months, three months. So that gives me hope. But um, I don't know. The, the numbers are still rising. I, I, I can remember being at a tournament and going, my Lord, we just said 4,000 people in Florida tested positive. <laughs> um, and that was six months ago. We were up over 10,000 earlier this that's week. crazy. So, per day, so I still hold out hope. Um, I still limit my my uh whereabouts wherever Mm -hmm. I go, I limit that whatever I have to do, Mm -hmm. always with a mask on. So, hopefully, we emerge out of this at a good pace. And,
0: um, is COVID going to be does, does, does COVID's for you, is that the big thread? Is that going to be the main storyline? Give me one or two storylines that you think looking out towards 2021 that we're about to go go into from a golf perspective. Is that still going to be the, the dominant storyline for you?
1: Well, every it, COVID-19 is going to be hovering over the whole year. It's yeah. not going anywhere. I mean, right now, I think they are going to be limited fans at Century. Um, but it's going to be very, very limited. And they're only going to be able to go, I think, from between the, the 10th tee and 10th green. And the 18th T and the 18th green. Um, they will not have fans at AMX. They will not have fans at Torrey. I don't think they'll have fans at Pebble. I don't think they'll have fans at Riv. They think they'll have limited number of fans at Waste Management. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, I was playing TPC Sawgrass last week, and they're building out. Big stands.
0: So I was going to ask you stands. about that. So you living in that area, we're going to be coming up on, what's it going to be like going back there? Because that's where everything went to hell. I mean, we, we got one round in, and after the first round, there was talk, okay, maybe they're gonna, we're going to keep playing, but maybe there won't be fans in the weekend. And then Friday morning, like, it's done. And just like, we're, we're, we're gone. What's it going to be like for you going back to the Players' Championship?
1: Well, right now, Florida is pretty much open. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, PDGA Tour ended on Friday the 13th of March. Um, that was Friday when Jay said we were done. And we were done for um, 91 days, 13 weeks. Now we've come back. But that following Monday, the course was open to the public and resort play. Um, and they had their safety measures. But the clubhouse dining area, no way. That yeah. wasn't open. Mm-hmm. Well, that last, last week when I played there, they had indoor dining. Um, it was spaced out, but they had indoor dining. Mm-hmm. They had outdoor dining. They had a cart person. Um, and that wasn't there the week after March, uh, week after the players. Um, so it looks like from the they're building up big stands behind the 17th. To the left of 17, um, we didn't see any other big structures being built. Um, like there's that monster structure to the right of nine. That wasn't being built. But still, you, you looked at, at that and you're thinking, man, they wouldn't be building that for 1,000 people. Yeah. They'd be building that for about 8,000, 10,000, maybe 12. I, I don't know. So we'll see. But I was a little surprised um, that that it was being built and so much of it was being built. So Mm -hmm. again, nobody knows what January is bringing towards the end of January. If LA can get a handle on LA County, if somehow some way they can get a handle on there, if the vaccines can get ramped up, um, we don't know what February is going to be like. So um, COVID-19 is still going to be the main story hovering over professional golf um, and PGA tour I would say at least for the first three months, January, February, and March. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see there.
0: Um, as far as players, tournaments, et cetera, one of the things that I sort of noticed taking a look through, um, Dustin Johnson, the world number one player, has created some separation at the top. It's what happens when you win the Masters. You, you get a lot of points. Um, there's some separation at the top between he and John Rahm and Rom and Justin Thomas are sort of neck and neck there in the 2-3 spot. And then there's a drop-off. If, uh, if you were a wagering man, would you say that Dustin Johnson is the world number one a year from now when we, when we flip the calendar again and go into 22? What do you think for DJ in 21?
1: I, I think DJ will be the number one player going into uh, 2022. Um, one, the gap is pretty substantial. It's over three points. That's a big gap, especially at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, number two... DJ hasn't been worse than T6 in his last seven starts, so he's going to be DJ unless he gets hurt because he, I'm telling you, he he loves his life right now. I mean, that's not to love. (laughs) I know. I mean, he loves his two kids. He loves his wife, his his, partner, uh, fiance. Um, I think he's figured out the perfect pace to the year for him. Um, He loves whatever golf course he sees, so he's fine with that. And when he's in full flight, again, it goes back. Is DJ the best in full flight or is Rory the best in full flight? Well, you know, and I'll add Justin Thomas and I'll add John Rahm. Mm -hmm. But that gap is so big. They would need a little drop-off. Certainly, John Rahm could win five tournaments. Certainly, Justin Thomas could win five tournaments. And certainly, each of them could have a major. Both of them are capable of multiple Mm majors. But neither has done that. Well, Justin won five times in one year. So, I take that back. So, Justin's capable, but multiple major—that's a big gap—and you would still need Dustin not to be dusted. Yeah. Because if Dustin goes out there and wins another two tournaments, um, it's going to be really tough to catch Dustin. And and I don't I don't see any reason why there would be a drop off because he's not getting bored with what he's doing, um, and he's he look, he improved on his putting this yep. past year, the two or three years before that. He became a solid, very solid, one of the best players from 150 yards in. You know, you go back a few years back and he woke up one morning and said he wanted to hit a cut. So he started hitting a cut and now he's one of the best drivers of the golf ball. So he's improving each and every year and he's coming off a four win season. Four win season. He's the FedEx Cup champion. So and. That master's green jacket, he isn't going to want to give it away in no, five months.
0: No, I, I think that um, to me when I look at him, Steve, is that there's it, it's hard to tell because his demeanor on the golf course rarely gets above, you know, just like a smile. I mean, like a fist pump from him. We all immediately go to our notebooks and make a note of it. What was the time? What was the hole? And all that kind of stuff. Because he's just as poker face as they get. That said, he has an air of comfort about him, an easiness about him, that even for DJ, seems like he has just, as you sort of said, he's figured it out. Like he has fallen into this comfort zone where he's in the prime right now of his career. He has been a world number one before. He had won a major before he won in Augusta in November. So he's got a U.S. Open on a really, really hard Oakmont golf course. He won one of the most unique and in some ways challenging, but he made it look pretty easy, Masters. We may set up on a golf course. We We always thought DJ should win a Masters. You know, once the putting sort of fell into place... He should. Now he gets to play another Masters in four months. So that that's going to bode well for him. He's won all over the place. And to me, just when his mind is right and barring injuries, keep him away from the stairs and, and all that kind of stuff, haha. He's he's just a handful. He's really trouble if you're going to try and beat him. And we've had this discussion, you and I, and other people have had it before, as well, that you sort of referenced, the, the Rory, JT, you know, Rom can just be so aggressive. DJ is probably the guy right now. If you give that guy, if you put that foursome out there and and they are all have, feel their best, I don't see how DJ loses right now because I think that he has the best, especially when it comes to the mental part. I don't think that a lot of the guys have weaknesses. You don't get to be top four, top five in the world with a glaring weakness. But the thing that impressed me the most is that DJ just had this demeanor, this sort of walk that he like, oh, I've had the epiphany. I've got it. And now I can just relax and let it all flow. And boy, was he just impressive. Almost as impressive as I remember when we got to go to, to, to Beth Page Black and watch Brooks Kepka look really, really impressive. And I'm guessing, and I want to hear your opinion, 2020 had to be one of the most frustrating. It was frustrating for everybody. For Brooks Kepka, it had to be maddening between the injuries, the inconsistent play, a little bit of a comeback at the PGA Championship, TPC Harding Park, and then more stuff. What what are we supposed to make of that? Is that just a year that like everybody wants to put 2020 behind him? I would imagine, in your opinion, Brooks Kepka is the first guy to want to get 2020 the hell out of the way. Where are we with him, and what, what do you think about him for 21?
1: Well, I think he, he has that mentality where... where uh... You play hurt, you know, that tough guy mentality in other sports. And he's got that mentality here. So I think there were a couple of times where he sh- he played when he shouldn't have been playing. So to me, he was basically on the disabled list, never completely coming off the disabled list last year. Um, there were there were times when he certainly, you could tell, he certainly couldn't do things he, he wanted to do. Um, he did give him a chance he gave himself a chance to win a couple of times. Um, but that there was just that one little thing missing. And, and, and you really can't describe it, but you can see it. Um, that he just wasn't that Brooks that he was when he won four majors in nine majors. He won four of them in nine majors stretch. Um, but the good thing about Brooks going forward is U.S. Uh, US Ryder Cup captain Steve Stricker. Um, I talked to him at the QBE shootout. He had talked to... Uh, Brooks spent some time with him at Mayakoba the week before. And, you know, some guys can blow smoke and say, yeah, I'm healthy. I'm healthy. Steve Stricker said, no, when he was, Brooks said, he's healthy. He's going to be fine. He's, he's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that bodes well. And Strick says, you know, I've got to keep an eye on that guy (laughs) Um, because, you know, he's inside that the top six right now for the Ryder Cup. But if he has another year like this, like twenty twenty, you know. So, but if Brooks is healthy completely, he might not ever be completely healthy again. Look, Tiger's never going to be a hundred percent again. Mm-hmm. Brooks might not be a hundred percent again. But if he gets to that point, like ninety five percent, ninety percent, then I, I don't think Stricker will have any worries about Brooks Kepka being on his Ryder Cup team. So. um you know, it's, it's amazing that you say, God, he, he won the 2019 PGA Championship at Bethpage, but that was his last major. Yeah. And you only think that way because the guy had, that was his so much success major in the last nine, the most previous nine that were played. And then 2019, before that, T2 at the Masters. So you go, this guy is the best major player in the game. Yeah. And unfortunately he just hasn't been only because he just hasn't been Brooks because he's been hurt. Yeah. So.
0: I, I'll look forward to seeing it. I, I think, so I wrote for Golfweek.com. We, we both wrote sort of our, like our year end sort of like our year in golf kind of pieces. Lots of people sort of do that stuff. And one of the things that I look back on was that 2020 had everything set up to be perfect. I mean, we had the four majors, we had tiger defending at the masters. We had uh, the Olympics, which I get excited about that, and and then we obviously had the Ryder Cup and all that stuff just went right out the door. Um, but it's all right there, and when we get players playing at their best and when we get more of them playing at their best or at least on the ascension rather than on the injured list, and I agree, Brooks is on the IR for, for probably 8 out of 12 months, and, and that's just not where he wants to be or obviously where we want him. If you throw him in the mix, playing well and healthy, with Dustin Johnson playing well, being healthy, um, with a couple of these other guys, JT, starting to put it together, some of these young guys, Morikawa isn't going anywhere. Matthew Wolf isn't going anywhere. These guys have now established themselves. They're going to be top 15 players, top 20 players for the next decade or so. Rory McIlroy, who I want to ask you about in a second, I I think is not going anywhere. And there's other guys that are going to sort of flow in. We could be looking at some great stuff. Um, You and I have talked about Rory a couple times throughout the summer about how his season was really as sharply divided as anybody's out there. Before the COVID break, he was living in the top three. I mean, he was just – you couldn't get him out of there. Afterwards, He struggled. We've had a, a little bit of a break now before Rory's going to make his comeback in 2021. Which Rory McIlroy do you think we see in 2021? The guy who was a dominant player, maybe a frustrated, he didn't win quite as many, but was always in the hunt before COVID forced the PGA Tour to break? Or is it the guy who didn't seem to have it figured out? And, and good round here, two bad rounds there. What, what do you think we get?
1: I know we're talking about a guy who's now gone since 2014 without winning a major. It's crazy. Um, and he's been stuck on four time major winner, you know, since 2014. But I think the Rory we will see will be closer to the Rory. We saw pre COVID-19 where he was the number one player. He was the best player in the world. in that stretch. Without a doubt. Um, then the post COVID-19 um, one, you know, Coming out of COVID, number one, is wasn't the most comfortable thing to do in the world, you know. So you had to get used to it. a different flow, and he never really got it. Two, he always talked about the fact there were no fans. No fans, yeah. And he never got used to that. Um, so he's now been a father for more than a year. I think he's gotten a little more used to um, being away from his daughter when he has to be away from his daughter. Um, Because, you know, my parents always said that was the killer. You know, when we left the roost and um, you weren't going to see him for a substantial amount of time, or even if it was just a week or two weeks, it it hurt. You got to get used to it. I think he's gotten used to that a a little better. And he's still Rory. I mean, sure, he's got to tighten up a lot of things, you know, and not a lot of things. But, you know, he he knows what he has to do. Mm -hmm. But I, I still see some great golf coming from Rory, um, and again he's a Masters away from the career Grand Slam. Jordan Spieth is a PGA Championship away from a Grand Slam. Um, Phil Mickelson is a U.S. US Open away, away. <laughs> from the Grand Slam. So we got three guys. Yeah, they're still chasing guys it. that have a chance for the Grand Slam? Um, hey, heck. I'm sorry. Make that 4 guys because um Brooks could win the two majors he hasn't won this year totally possible. Dustin Johnson. So Yeah. Um but those are the the closest ones. I just think Rory is just too talented. He's just too good. I mean, um he's always comes up in the conversation. He still does when somebody asks you in full flight, would you rather have the Rory or this other guy? And so I I think we'll we'll see a better Rory. We'll we'll see the pre-COVID-19 Rory. Um, than the post-COVID-19.
0: I mean, he's he's 31. He'll to, He'll he'll turn 32 right around the PGA Championship, you know, when we're at Kiowa, which, oh yeah, by the way, he won the last time we were there. Um, and I don't want to hear any of this like, oh, it was soft and he only wins majors on soft. I, I, I get that. There could be something to that. I, I'm in the camp with you, though. I think that that much talent can't be denied. It has had some quirky things go on in terms of like, I think the British Open, when it was held in Northern Ireland, too much pressure he put maybe on himself that he was the star. It's what Tigers lived with for the better part of two decades, but Rory's always had a taste of it. I, that that one, I think he learned a lot from that. I think that he has spoken on a number of occasions about losing to Brooks and losing to some other guys, and and trying to use that as a positive, trying to look at the the play the long game. He wants to play the long game. He's got. Minimally another like 10, 15 years of what could be prime golf. He's had quirky injuries. You know, he twists his ankle and busts it up on a soccer ball. Well, he's not going to do that again. Um, He's got every shot in the book. I think he's got a fantastic attitude. It's just a matter of one week when he puts it together. And we're all going to be sitting here going like, oh my gosh, Rory just shot 23 under, 1 by 8. And everybody's got to watch out. And I think that is entirely within the realm of possibility. Every single week, he tees it up. Now, it's not going to happen every single week. But I, I would keep backing that horse for a long, long time. Before we get to um, that 40, newly crowned 45-year-old, I want to ask you a quick question because you sort of mentioned Jordan Spieth. Who has a better chance of finishing 2021 ranked in the top 20, Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler?
1: Well, this is – I would say Ricky Fowler only because he's ranked 56th right now and Jordan <laughs> is ranked 84th. Um, yes, I think that's one of the big storylines of 2021. Can Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth become Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth again? Yeah. I mean, Jordan Spieth, his last top 10 was in
0: 2019. It's
1: crazy. Um. He has nine top tens in his last 69 official starts. Um, he hasn't won since the 2017 Open. Ricky had two top tens last year. Um, and he hasn't won since the 2019 Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, I Hopefully this thing, the fact that right now Ricky is not exempt into the Masters, might be that little extra push that he needs. Mm-hmm. But they're both working on so many different things in their swing. Um, I think they both know that they've both lost some of their swagger, um, and they've got to regain that. Um, And maybe the fact that they've got to get exemptions into some pretty big tournaments going forward. Right now, Jordan Spieth wouldn't be in the match play. Right now, Ricky's at 56. He has to stay within the top 64 um, for the match play. Um, there are other invitationals that you know they're going to have to get special inv- exemptions, yeah. um, just as they did this last fall at CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, and um, oh, I can't—I'm blanking on the one at Sherwood. Um, Zozo, Zozo champions yeah. at Sherwood. So I think that's another kick in their butt. Um, that my lord. Now I've got to get exemptions. I have to ask for exemptions. They haven't had to do that in since they were like decades. sixteen. I mean, years. Yeah. So, um, can they both? They're both extremely talented. Um, and one other final push. Even though they're so far out of it right now, but these are both these guys played in the 2014 Ryder Cup, 2016 Ryder Cup, 2018 Ryder Cup. Right now, they're not on that team. They're not even close. They're not even to sniffing it. Nope and but stricker knows that he's he's watching them um the captain stricker is watching both of them because he knows what they bring to the table when they are ricky fowler and jordan speed um so that might be another incentive so they have a lot of maybe those extra pushes they haven't had to keep improving Mm -hmm. in the past years but they have this year um but just the fact that You know, Ricky's got a pretty big substantial lead on Jordan. I would say if one of them gets in the top 20, it would be Ricky.
0: I uh, had a chance to talk to Peter Costas a couple months ago, and we were chatting about these guys. We were talking specifically about Jordan. Um, Ricky just turned 32. Jordan's 27. He won't be 28 until mid-July. So we've got a while there for that. But the way that the game is going and I'm not getting into like this big Bryson distance thing, but obviously distance and being able to utilize power in the modern game right now is is really critical. When Jordan's speed is at the height of his powers, 15, 16, you know, getting into 17, he was never going to be as long as DJ. He was never going to be as long as some of these guys who were going to be con- competing against him in major championships. What Jordan did was blend enough distance off the tee with really good iron play. And he was one of the best putters on the planet. I mean, statistically, it was him and it was Jason Day and then a changing cast of characters. But but he and Jason Day were like the pinnacle of putting. The putter goes a little bit south, works on that. The long game goes a little bit south. He's been working on that. Um, I'm wondering if, and this is what Peter got into a little bit, and I'm curious your opinion. Not necessarily to ask you about golf swing or this or that, but philosophically, the game is going away from what I think Jordan and Ricky do best. They're both excellent putters. They both control the golf ball really, really well. You look at them, and they and they look like regular guys. Like, they're completely approachable. You, look, you go up to Dustin Johnson, and he just screams athlete. 6'4", lanky, it's been talked about a million times. You you stand next to Brooks Kepka, you stand next to Tony Now, These guys, you know, are Hulks. They they are cornerbacks, they're they're deep safeties, big strapping guys, they move the ball, and that's where the game is going. As Spieth is trying to change his game, this is what Costa got into, he gets away from being who he is. He gets away from some of the stuff that made him be successful, and there's risk to that, and we're maybe seeing that. Do you think that because distance is becoming such a thing, that maybe that is part of the deal, that like guys get so much success, get to the PGA Tour, win on the PGA Tour, in Jordan's case, win majors, and then they shift philosophically what they're trying to do? It's dangerous stuff, isn't it? How much do you buy into that?
1: There have been horror stories of guys chasing distance, but um, they're going to continue to chase distance. I know Justin Thomas is longer than Ricky and is longer than Jordan. But Justin Thomas weighs about 150 pounds. Yeah. I mean, Justin Thomas is still one of the best players in the world, and he's not John Rahm size. He's not Bryson DeChambeau size. Yep. Nobody's Bryson DeChambeau size. <laughs> um, Webb Simpson isn't the longest yeah. guy in the world. He's still winning out there. But it is getting, I think, harder and harder, um, which, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting how busy we're going to be in March if that distance report is rolled well, out with specific it's, um, instructions.
0: It's it's not, I would be surprised if it is. So I had Ran Jarris on the pod a couple weeks ago and I know it was during holiday time and a lot of people didn't probably hear that one. But in talking with Ran, he said to me that, yes, they're going to bring out a distance report like they always have. That's basically going to be all the numbers that are already out there. I could write that distance report today. Um, but, What we're looking for is guidance as to, okay, distance is a problem, says the USG and the RNA. Here is what we are going to recommend to do to change that or to address the problem. Those pieces of information, those recommendations based on studies, conversations, experiments, all that kind of stuff, I think, Steve, we're at least six to eight months minimally from that. I think we're much more towards the end of summer, and that's covid that is those experiments and all the different tests and all the different things that were supposed to go on through the summer and the fall were backburnered, rightfully because of safety. Because golf course utilization went through the roof. I mean, everybody's playing. We're backed up. And according to Rand, I think that we may see the regular distance report that we've had. It's, now he could have been totally putting it on me. I'm you know not gonna say. I would be surprised if before we get something, li- A rollback of equipment, whether it's a ball or clubs. I think agronomy changes are probably just as much, if not more, of what we're going to end up getting whenever it is than equipment stuff. Um, I don't think that we get it before July 4th. I I think it's going to be further down the line, but um, we'll sort of see. Let's talk about about Tiger for a second. 45 years old. Crazy year. I mean, if you look at the 2019-20 season – He had wins, it seems like, forever ago, but he did. Um, But if you look in calendar year 2020, tough year from a guy. Uh, T9 at Torrey Pines, which obviously was before COVID. But then after the break, he doesn't have a top 30 finish. Doesn't qualify for the Tour Championship. Misses the cut at the U.S. Open. Never really a factor at Zozo at Sherwood, which is a course he obviously knows well. T38 at the Masters. What, uh, what are we to make of the, uh, the position right now where we are right now with a 15-time major winner?
1: I think it was the lost year for him. Um, he has talked so much over so many years about trying to find a rhythm to a season, trying to find a rhythm to a tournament, trying to find a rhythm to a round. He was never able to do that. Yep. Um, I mean, he knew he had to do it, but he just couldn't do it. He couldn't, get, he couldn't find that proper rhythm for him. And you know he has to, he can't practice too much because then he can't play. Out of you know, if he practices too much, that brings into his playing ability into jeopardy. If he doesn't practice enough, that plays his playing ability into jeopardy. So he's still trying to mix that around. He's another year older. Um, I think deep down he wants to prove to his children that the 2019 Masters wasn't a fluke because that was basically the first major that they saw him win. Mm-hmm. Now I know. I know that his Sam was there for the 2007 PGA Championship win and the 2008 U.S. Open win, um, but you know she was an infant, you know. So yeah, I think I think Charlie is going to spur him, um, hmm. keep him a little more excited throughout the year, um, take him to the golf course a few more times. I don't think Tiger will overwork it, but he'll have it on his mind more often. He'll Just a spark. Joy. If Charlie continues to have the joy in the game that he de- displayed at the PNC Championship, um, that will give joy to Tiger. Um, I think we will see him in Tori. But right now, Tiger's thinking what I'm thinking. Yeah. Are we going to play Tori? He his Genesis invitation, which benefits his foundation. Are they going to be able to play it in LA? So he's got that on his mind instead of. Yeah. fully concentrating on going forward. So again, I don't think he's lost it. I don't think he's completely lost it. I don't th- I, I think there's a better chance that he will win again than there isn't a chance of him winning again. I think he really wants
0: he to wants to Sam Snead's record.
1: One better than Sam Snead. Yeah, yeah. He he wants I that record. I think he wants one better than Sam Snead. And I think that'll drive him and I, I think we'll we'll see a much better Tiger in 2021, than we saw in 2020.
0: Would you anticipate that the father-son with Charlie becomes an annual thing, or do you think that was a one-off? Uh,
1: uh, right now, I would say it's a one-off, but Charlie enjoyed it so much, <laughs> so and hopefully I'm wrong because everybody else enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But, um, we'll see. Um, I don't. I don't think he's going to become Lee Trevino and Lee Trevino's son, or VJ and Cass. They've yep. been there all. You know. Yep. But maybe they will. Charlie loves the game right now, and I will see if that continues.
0: Yeah, who knows? A year from now, I've got you know kids and stuff like that, and I can tell you that and anybody else who's got kids, it's uh what they love today, three weeks from now, may be the worst thing ever, and Dad, you're such a noob, and I'm getting away from you. Last thing, taking a look at the major championship venues for 21, obviously going back to Augusta National in April, that's going to feel great to see the Azaleas and the Dogwoods. I can't wait to see all that. Um, PJ Championship at Kew Island, the ocean courses we talked about, U.S. Open at Tory Pines, British Open going back to Royal St. George. Darren Clark is our last winner there. That, I believe, was 2011. I was there for that one. Um, talk about a golf course that feels like you're playing on the moon. That is a wild place when the weather comes in, and it always seems to come in. Which of those are you looking forward to most?
1: Oh, I always look forward to Augusta the most. <laughs> I mean, it's Augusta. It's mm-hmm. the first one. Um, and again, it's Augusta, and adding to what I'm going to focus, I think Bryson DeChambeau is going to show a little bit better of himself than he did just previously here. Maybe he will not say it's a par 67. Maybe he'll keep that in his pocket. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for every major. But me too. Um, look, Royal St. George's. That's where Dustin Johnson hits three wood out of bounds oh. when he's in contention. Then drops a ball. Joey LaCovia gives him a ball. He drops a ball and hits two iron onto the green. Oh. So he hits three wood out of bounds, and that basically cost him. So Dustin, if we get there to Royal St. George's, all open championships are great. All of yeah. them. Torrey Pines, I still think the best single day at a major championship, back-to-back days that I've ever had in my life, was 2008 U.S. Open. When Tiger makes the S- putt on Sunday, Sunday. Monday. And then on a Monday – In San Diego, 24,000 people show up for a playoff between two guys. Um, That was just amazing to me on a Monday. So Tori, and it's always by that ocean. It's always beautiful. In Kiowa, outside, hopefully we don't have that long bus ride in. um, (laughs) There's still guys
0: waiting out there to get in from Charleston.
1: (laughs) But Kiowa, I'll tell you, it's the hardest golf course I've ever walked so hopefully they've softened some of the grounds and hopefully they've made it a little easier on patrons if they're going to be patrons there. But that is one, even when it doesn't blow its tough. but when the wind is up there, that's as tough a golf course as I've seen. I mean, I mean, when it's really, um, you know, it was soft. It was windy when Rory won, but it was soft. soft. So that helps a little bit, um, helps you a little bit. Um, just a but note for you, Steve. That you don't, you don't,
0: yeah. Just a note for you, Steve. Though you don't have to refer to the fans as patrons when they're at Kiowa. Only, only when they're at Augusta, you, you have to do. That. <laughs> the I think, fans. You, yeah. I think you gave the right answers. I mean, the Masters is still the Masters, and for golfers, that will always be the most special one. I would put up that a U.S. Open at Tory Pines, when it's going to finish, you know, East Coast time in prime time, is one of the best reasons to have a big screen TV if you're a golf fan because. When you get the paragliders flying around off the cliffs and the sun setting into the Pacific Ocean, and if we can get you know compelling good theater, so it's a compelling tournament, not a snooze fest with you know whoever leading by five or six with three holes to play, that's as good as golf gets. You know what Pebble Beach will always be a very special U.S. Open venue. There's lots of them: Oakmont, Shinnecock, etc. I don't think that one is more picturesque, and I don't think that there is a, a U.S. Open venue that sets up dramatically better than than Torrey Pines. People can say, you know, whatever about the golf course. We go there every year for Farmers Insurance Open, so it doesn't have the cachet because it's not new. It's not novel. But, boy, when the sun sets, it looks great. And I'll tell you what, it looks pretty damn good when the sun is coming up, too. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's a special place. I'll look forward to Royal St. George. And, yeah, Kiowa. Kiowa is just one of – it's never brought up. People maybe don't talk about it as being as hard – as maybe like Beth Page Black because of the stupid sign or Oakmont because the greens are rolling 16 or wh- whatever the hell they're doing. Kiowa is as tough as a $3 steak on the best day. And yeah, I'm looking forward to all of them. So I, I, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch some golf from Hawaii. Steve, thank you very, very much for coming on the Forward Press, buddy. I will look forward to more visits from you uh, in 21.
1: You got it. Anytime, big man.